0: episode 22 of the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast today. My name is Christy Hostler, and I'm your host as always. And I have an interesting guest for us today. Now, this guest has a business model that we've not talked to anyone yet about in this podcast. His name is Chris Connell. He owns the Hudson Heating Wholesaler in North Bergen, New Jersey. Now, Chris is a second-generation business owner. His father started the business. The business has been in business for over 50 years. So there's a whole lot of history. It takes a lot of success to be able to have a business that will stick around for 50 plus years. So we're excited to hear what Chris has to say about his journey to success, and also the uniqueness of having a B2B type business um, because it's not something we talk to every day. So if you um, have ever wanted to open a B2B business, you are going to want to hear about Chris's journey, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. So welcome, Chris. We're so glad to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me, Christy.
0: Excellent. Now, give us a little bit of background. I know your dad started your business, and so you probably kind of grew up in, uh, grew up in it. But I'm sure you had choices. I'm, I don't think he held a gun to your head and said you have to take it off my hands. So, <laughs> can you kind of tell us a little bit about your history, and maybe even how you arrived at the place you are today, where you're owning it and running it?
1: Sure. Um, I, my dad wanted to make sure that I, I went to college. He didn't go to college, and so he made mm-hmm. sure that my sisters and brother went to college. I graduated with an accounting degree. Because um, nice. business being in the family I you know I've always been attracted to the way business runs. Uh-huh. Um and uh, after college I, I was working using the accounting degree um and but um then dad uh we've had we had a few conversations and then he uh more or
0: less brought me in. Excellent. So he um, he knew you. No know, matter, probably like most parents, no matter what you wanted to do, if you went ahead and got your college degree, you would probably never regret it, right? That's kinda, <laughs> that's kind of some advice that a lot of people get now. Um, so you grew up watching your dad run run the business and. Um, did he encourage you to go into business, uh, or did he encourage, you know, even whenever you said, what do you want to do, and you said uh, accounting or, you know, getting a degree in accounting, did he try to encourage you to stay in the business world or pursue other things? No, he wanted me um,
1: to get a feel of what else is out there. Because from the age of 10, I was coming in to work with him during the summers and whenever oh. I had off. So um, he wanted me to get a, a taste of Working for somebody else or working in a in a corporate environment was like,
0: "Uh-huh, yeah, and there's always that point at which the free labor turns into something more <laughs> than that yeah. for most for most parents and children now, at what point did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur, and you know did you have signs of that early on? Were you the kid selling boy Scout stuff, or you know those kind of fundraising type things growing well, was, up?
1: I was always the one in the neighborhood to get the lemonade stand going and and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I, I wouldn't say I, I had um, I didn't have big design goals. I uh, couldn't see um, bigger things than just the uh-huh. lemonade stand. But That's um, interesting. Uh, the work ethic is where where I learned it. Uh, my dad was always coming into the office at four thirty-five in the morning, and I continued wow. on on with that type of thing, uh, getting in in early to get ahead of everything else to get all the paperwork done to to prepare for your day that's that's what we I always just do is get ready for the day ahead when it was quiet
0: you know that's that was going to say i've heard several entrepreneurs talk about that early morning planning and how if they block that time and essentially give themselves that time in the morning they can get more done before the rest of the office even gets there, then they can all day long with all the interruptions. That's it sounds right. like you've found you've found your secret to success is doing the same thing: getting that early to rise, getting out there, and uh, kind of getting organized before it, all chaos breaks loose.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. Once people get into the office and customers and whatnot, then fires start erupting, yeah. and you have to get those out, and then you lose <laughs> the focus of what you had planned for the day.
0: Yeah and you know I was going to say you in 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 the heat of doing business every single day you know, it's hard to do any stepping back and looking at things and kind of any big, you know, visioning or planning or anything like that that you need for the forward, you know, velocity of your company because you're so busy being in your business and working your business that it just, like you say, you're, it's dictated by customers and their fires and all the other things that you have going on. So I don't think you're any different than a lot of business owners who love that early morning time. So, That's right. Now – Do you find uh, did did you feel like growing up in a business? um, Whenever I, I keep talking to business people, that whenever they grow up in a family business. They kinda don't really have a fear about striking out on their own and starting business. For those of us that were raised with parents that had the job that was the steady paycheck and kind of the you know, the safety net and security blanket, we kinda have a fear of stepping out. Have you had any fears as a business owner stepping out into the entrepreneurial world?
1: The only fear I, I, I've ever had is um is letting the family name down. Um, cause my dad oh. performed such a, he was performing at such a high level and did such a great job building this business from nothing. My biggest fear was, um, letting him down, letting the name down and, um, having the name of Hudson heating
0: mm-hmm. not
1: mean the same as it has in the past. Um, wow. That, that's, that's, that's been my fear. And that's, it keeps me going and and trying to strive to make things a little bit better.
0: Well, Um, and I I guess, yeah, I was going to say, I guess too, you know, um, it, it again it goes back to you know your dad left you the legacy of a business with a good reputation and then no matter what happens in the future for your business you want to make sure you've done right by that and at the same time if you had children that wanted to take it over you would you know you you want the family pride to be on the line you know it is motivating that's right no doubt mm-hmm. that's right now after you kind of got out of college and you decided or your dad brought you in and decided that it was going to be your path to take over the business did you have you had any sort of business coaches or mentors or anything like that that have kind of helped you along the way? Oh,
1: most definitely. Um, I meet with a business coach once a month right now. I start, I've been doing it for a few years now. Wow! Um, and it, he's he's been instrumental in helping me set up um, a bonus structure for my employees that I had no idea how to do. Um, oh, okay. And, and it's things like that that um, they don't teach you in business school. They don't teach you mm-hmm. any, anywhere. It's, and it's uh, learning from someone else's experience how they set things up, maybe tweaking it a little bit to, for your needs. But um, a, a business coach has been very beneficial for me, just from just talking things through to him, um, getting his ideas and, and mm-hmm. his experience, because he sees he doesn't see you. Just uh, heating people, he sees a, a right. variety of doctors' lawyers, he sees a bunch of different um, people, but um, yes, so, it's been very beneficial.
0: So can I ask you just personally, what was there something that happened or was there a driving force that actually made you say it would be a worthwhile investment for any, me to see a, a business coach about this, that, or the other? I mean what was it that, that actually took you to seek one out?
1: Um, I was trying to do the the things the same way that my dad was doing it, and okay it w- really wasn't working and um
0: mm-hmm.
1: I could sense the my staff was getting pretty ticked with me they were um because i I felt like I had to be involved in everything and mm-hmm. um that's the way I always saw it that's what my dad did that's and he had a knack to be able to do that. Um, uh-huh. uh, I was finding that my strengths lately late elsewhere, right late elsewhere, um, at being involved in the, every every detail of the business.
0: Well, you know, there I think in business in general there's been a huge shift even you know from the time your dad started his business until now in the business world you know it used to be that the owner of the business not just needed to know more than everyone else in the business about the business but they needed to know how to do every single job in the business and they needed to know you know be the uh I don't want to say the chief micromanager but that you know that was kind of the old school style of businesses and now these you know this day and age, it seems that the trend is more toward um, kind of grooming people to the point that they can be self-sufficient and it's more of a mark of your success as an owner of how well the business runs without you.
1: That's exactly right and um, I learned that through the business coach by Letting by giving projects to other people and letting them run with it, and Mm -hmm. get they get a personal sense of um, satisfaction that they're doing something to bring the business along in a better way. Um, Oh yeah, and it's it it's created a much better confidence for everybody. Um, Mm I I I feel like I don't have to be here all the time.
0: Uh Um,
1: It's just been it's been so beneficial for everybody. It's been tremendous.
0: And you probably think, Why didn't I do it sooner? <laughs> like or <most> Exactly. People. <laughs> yep. We now, I struggled ask- the first couple of years, but then yeah. now now it's now we're on cruise control. That's that is that is a place where most business owners would love to be because then it actually becomes more about building the lifestyle you want with your business rather than letting the business to tic- dictate what your lifestyle is actually going to be. So, I completely understand that. Now, Chris, give us um, kind of just give us a little bit of overview at this point. How many employees do you have in your business,
1: uh, including myself? There's thirteen.
0: Thirteen of you, okay, and have most of them been with you for years? Is it? I mean, what's what do you think the average tenure is with most of your employees?
1: Well, one of the guys uh, remembers when I was born.
0: <gasps> wow, <laughs> so he's been
1: with us for a little while. Um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he. He, uh, I'm still low man on the totem pole here, and I've been here for 21 years,
0: uh, wow. full time.
1: Um, and I'm still a low man on the totem pole. Well,
0: you know, that's, two guys that are here for
1: over forty years, and two guys really? actually four five guys now here over thirty years.
0: Unbelievable! I mean, that is very, very, very. We would call that in sports a very deep bench with that, with that <laughs> yeah. kind of tenure for sure. But I guess you know, if you've been there twenty one years, and at the same time you have people that have been there thirty years and forty years, they clearly um, obviously have some loyalty to your company, but they also, they've had to transition between um, the style of your dad running the business and your style running the business. So how has that been on those employees? Um, That's where
1: I had the the most problems in the beginning um, because I wanted to run it like my dad um, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the experience uh, that he had uh, Mm -hmm. or I, I hadn't gotten the respect yet, um, I, but being that I changed things around and let those guys run with things that I, I realized I was deficient at, it's uh-huh. made the grow made the the growing pains minimal, and um, it's uh-huh. it's worked out.
0: Well, you know, I think so many business owners would love to have people work for them long enough to retire you know, and you've got, sounds like you've got a handful of people that will probably finish out their working career with you. So that, I mean, that that's a testament to you and your family and what you guys have established. So congratulations on getting some loyal, good employees. And then at the same time, being open enough to feedback to say, you know what, I don't know everything. So let's get some outside help and let's try to bring it, you know, bring a little fresh life into the company. So I think that's awesome. Now to give us a little bit about your business structure, you you have um, a you you are a wholesaler of of heating um, equipment. Is that would, would that be accurate to say that? that?
1: That's correct. Our okay. um, our customer base is um, plumbers, heating contractors, um, and that's who, we don't sell retail, so we don't sell to the, the homeowners, but we sell mm-hmm. to the, the installing contractors.
0: I see. So um, you you get all your stuff directly from the manufacturer then, or is that kind of the way the distribution channel is set up?
1: Yeah, we get it right from the manufacturer.
0: Okay, so you get it from the manufacturer, and then those people that are out actually selling the heating and air conditioning units to the general public or are coming to you to get the supplies and the parts and the, the, the equipment, essentially. That's correct, yes. Okay, so you don't have to do any installation or anything like that, right? No, I, we do not. Okay, excellent. Just the, kind of the in-between person. Mm-hmm. So let me let me ask you this. Um, we we talk a lot, and, and even with small business owners, it seems like the marketing of your business is like sort of like a learning. It's in, an in process type thing because even if you have something that's working, it's not going to work forever, and it's constantly changing depending on what's going on. But, but I'm sure there are some different things you have to do when you're in a B2B type business that you ha- to, to market to those, um, you know, heating and air contractors. What are you doing right now to market to them?
1: Um, when I first started, I I was going to all the different uh, trade shows and going um, doing any um, kind of plumbers conventions, heating contractors. I I was always going to those, and mm-hmm. it, it took a few years, but finally realized it really didn't pay to to do that. There wasn't we weren't getting any good customers or any, mm-hmm. um, new accounts that way. So since then. We've stopped doing any kind of trade shows or or, um, visiting with uh, groups or whatnot. And we strictly, it's word of mouth through our customer base. But what I've been doing recently is um, doing searches on the Internet using, um, um, I don't know the exact name, but like a sales.com and and Mm -hmm. targeting, uh, most recently I've been targeting real estate management companies. Um, okay, and going after them and, and doing mailings, doing callings, um, trying to get our foot in the door, having guys go visit the home office, trying to get a name of somebody that we can get into. It's mm-hmm. worked. We've gotten a few accounts, um, but I, I find that uh, with the internet, it makes things a lot more efficient. Um, yeah, than than trying to go to, to three or four big shows a, a year and. and it's just uh, time-consuming and money-consuming for that.
0: Absolutely. Now, would you were you finding with other with uh, the contractors and that sort of thing that you that is your target market? Are they just so entrenched with whatever wholesaler that they're using that that's not something they switch or, or change up their suppliers very often? Is that what you run into mainly?
1: Yes, exactly. Um, okay. there is loyalty to an extent, um, but again what we run into is that, um, price drives everything. Um, we, ah, yeah, we, we have a very loyal customer base, but if we are extremely high on something and then we will lose a customer. So that, okay.
0: you,
1: you have to understand, you have to feel where you have to be selling wise, but, um, mm-hmm. at the same point, you, you try to getting other people, um, our biggest, uh, selling point is our service. Um, more the bigger companies can't get to you in one day. We can get to we can get your materials delivered to the job site that same day, um, where other oh, wow. people do not have that. that
0: much. Now, are you, are you able to do that because of the amount of inventory that you hold, or do you just have that good of turnaround time with the manufacturers?
1: Inventory. Right. Okay. We have. So- uh, more inventory than than I feel comfortable with at times but um, it's <laughs> right. it's really the only way we can serve that that's our service
0: well, you know, it's interesting though because I think so many – and again, you know, this is Christy the consumer talking, but I know in any type of service-based industry, whether it's the the plumber or the heating and air conditioning, you know, person, um, it seems like those types of jobs inherently get delayed and many times they're delayed because you're simply waiting on parts, whether, you know, whether you're trying to get something fixed or whether you're trying to get something put in and um, – I don't necessarily know that many contractors are so time efficient or trying to be so time efficient that they would actually switch companies you know and say I need to have a backup supplier in case they run out of this that or the other, but I can imagine there's a lot of times where that inventory kind of is your competitive advantage
1: exactly yep we we use it to our advantage um um and we we let it known that we can get there when other people can't um and we try to do it within two to three hours, depending on the the, wow. the, the project, the, where it is, um, mm-hmm. and how busy we are. I mean, it, in the middle of uh, the winter, it does get to be a little bit difficult to get there within two hours. But we try sometimes like,
0: to do it. I was going to say, sometimes like this winter, it's probably difficult many days to get anywhere within two hours, <laughs> much less yeah, with a truck and with equipment and that sort of thing. So yes, yeah, snow um, is
1: not a, a I like it cold, but I do not like the snow because uh, yeah. our trucks have a very tough time getting around.
0: Oh, I can imagine. So we don't generally – we don't focus a lot on the negative or anything like that because we, we know entrepreneurs always are going to have as many just about as many failures as successes, and we do like to celebrate the successes. But are there any failures or things that you've had not go exactly the way you wanted along the way that maybe other entrepreneurs or business owners might be able to learn from?
1: Um well like I said when I started I wanted to be just like my dad and mm-hmm. um it took me a couple of well, years maybe 2 years to realize that I couldn't run the business like like he did um I mm-hmm. needed help um and to be I I at first I didn't want to ask for help but then I finally did ask for help and saw the the, the coach and then delegated the responsibilities to other people and um so the failure was not doing it earlier and uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not realizing that I wasn't my dad and I, I needed to do things differently.
0: Well, you know, I think that delegating things and even you know for any – whether you're a manager or business owner or anything like that, whew, it's hard to let the control go. No, and it's it, hard <laughs> – painful. I mean, not that I'm a control freak or anything, but I know people that are. <laughs> but, but, you know, you get to a point where it it really it's painful to do that. But if you give people a little bit of leeway and a little bit of control over their own environment or their own project, I bet you've probably found that you've been pleasantly surprised by some of the performance that you've seen based on that.
1: Oh, without a doubt. It's, uh, people have changed. Um, tenfold since uh, I've let them run with certain things and realize that they can they do it on their own they can start to finish it's all them um, it's people have grown uh, business-wise um, they've grown up and and taking credit and when they should and they think a lot of times they should be taking the credit that they deserve um, well
0: that that's I was gonna say though, it's so great to see that because as even as a small business, you get I mean, you get a whole lot of mileage out of having those people feel very connected to and responsible for what's going on in your business.
1: Mhm. I, I think mean, that's, that's where an entrepreneur, um they they've started uh, an idea, they came up with the idea and they, they bring it up to a, a certain point, but there is that certain point where you have to Hand off certain things because, um, running a business, there, there's so much more than just having the idea. There's, uh, you, have yeah. to, you have to worry about the, the cost of things, um, insurances, all, all all sorts of things that, uh, the entrepreneur doesn't want to do, and, and right, quite, quite frankly, shouldn't have to do. Uh-huh.
0: Well, and you can't be, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can't be all things in your business. I mean that's kind of a recipe for failure I think. You know you're not, you might not be the best accountant unless you're like you have an accounting degree or you might not be the best human resources person because maybe you don't have that experience but then getting help where you need help so that you can say my strength lies here, and my business is going to be a whole lot better if 95% of my efforts are focused here rather than all these things that I don't do well anyway, and I really shouldn't be doing because it's costing me more to do them than it would be to pay the right people to do them. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I think I, I've uh, you know heard so many people that once they start letting go and they start giving their their employees a little bit of. of Freedom and and let them kind of run with it. they just think, man, I had no idea these people could do this If I had known I would have done it way sooner, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you're no different than anyone else, but you know though Chris, I think we're all about local business here at the brick and mortar reporter podcast, and one of the things that I think we see, like you mentioned, the internet has made it so much easier for even like your research and your marketing and trying to figure out what's going on out there in the world at large. but you know as a local family owned business. Part of your competitive or or value proposition, so to speak, is the connectedness that you can have with your community. And not just that, but the connectedness that you can have with your employees. And we see articles in the newspaper, uh, on CNN, you know, all those other big places every single week with the statistics on all the people that hate their jobs and all the people that are so sick of working for a corporation that doesn't really care about them. And, you know, they get to a point where if they can stay with a small business and feel like they have a little bit of autonomy and they have some responsibilities and they have some things that they can put their name on and enhance the whole offering of that local business – you know they're gonna stay there and they're gonna do exactly what your employees are doing and that's be loyal as long as they're gonna be working. They'd rather be working for you than anyone else. So it's a great it's a great situation to be in there. Glad mm-hmm. you're glad you're making that happen because it's not uh, not every company that can do that. Now, as far as your area in it's North Bergen, New Jersey is where you're located, which is mm-hmm. right outside of where is that near um, right another near big city? city? Right, right near, near New, New city.
1: York. Uh, yep. We so are... you've
0: got. A lot of uh big city type uh industry and that sort of thing around there it, i would fair. imagine a lot of competition
1: oh yes, yes, there's been a lot of competition um a lot of so there, not a lot but some of like, my competitors um didn't fare too well with the credit crisis, so the mm-hmm. competition has gotten a little bit um you <laughs> out yeah it's okay. out. Yeah. <laughs> the, only the strong survive.
0: Yeah, really. After this recession, I think you had to be really, really strong to survive. But within your larger community there right outside of New York City, are there resources within your community that you have found helpful in growing your business or marketing your business or any resources that you found that would help your business in their community? Uh,
1: In the community, um. I can't say that uh, from marketing. From a marketing standpoint, there, anything has stood out. Are um, mm-hmm. our still our, our best marketing is um, is the word of mouth from our customers. And um, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, uh, some of the best marketing projects that we've had has been t-shirts. Just sending oh, okay. t-shirts out, giving t-shirts out, having seeing our t-shirts out, um, walking the streets. Uh-huh. Um, we try not to make it a billboard, but of course, the would be mm-hmm. a phone number fairly large. Uh, that,
0: yes, exactly. A website clothing or something, seems right? to be
1: Everybody wants clothing, um, okay. and, and everybody will wear clothing, uh, whether it be sweatshirts or T-shirts or, or um, hats. They seem to get our best uh, bang for the buck is, is wearables.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Based on your model being a, a business-to-business type um, setup, do you get end-user consumers calling you wanting to try to purchase product and that sort of thing? Does that happen very often?
1: Uh, yes, it happens every day. Um, and you, do, can, do you, do you, you, you can feel uh, through the phone conversation if the person is a uh, installing contractor or an, mm-hmm. um, a homeowner.
0: And so do you have like a referral – Outsource uh, source that you send those out to, or how do you, what do you do with those?
1: We'll recommend some of our customers. We we try not to say one person. We try to give a choice of four or five different mm-hmm. uh, customers, some um, and we'll let them get in contact with with our customer and uh, to make arrangements to to look at the job and do and get a quotation to. them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's got to help create lo- loyal customers too. Whenever their their suppliers are sending them. Uh, business and, and getting their name out as well. So mm-hmm. Now, in your business for what you're doing, what metrics are you currently measuring or performance indicators are you looking at, and why do you feel like those are important?
1: Uh, for me, being the accounting type, everything is numbers-based <laughs> for me. Okay. okay. So my metrics are sales and profits. Okay. Um, I... I I look at them. I, I try to take a five-year average, running average of what we've done the last five years by quarter, by month. However, I want to break it down and to see how we're performing. Um, okay. and, and by sales, I, I'm uh, trying to get the booth sales. Um, all of our, our sales are our customers that we've had already. We don't, we don't have that many new customers. So it's a matter matter of getting out and seeing these guys and uh, following up on on orders or quotes that we've given to them. That's the way that we can drive our our sales. And to get better at sales, we have to have the software that tracks things a little bit better, for for me in particular, because I'm a numbers Uh guy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you probably feel handicapped if you don't have the right numbers and right reports and that sort of thing. That's correct. Now. Let me ask you this, because I am just assuming, and it may be a completely wrong assumption. I I was wrong a few times before in my life, so it wouldn't be surprising. But I would assume that there is at least some degree of seasonality with your business. Is that true, or is that not true?
1: Absolutely true. Our season, okay. our season starts um, right around Labor Day, and Usually ends by the end of February, but this year with the uh, cold snap, we, we've gone through. We're still busy at the end of March now, and we're still
0: um, still going at a good clip right now. Wow, the winter that's never ending—the 2013-14 winter. So, um, now, so what do you do? Um, because now you have 13 employees, and I'm assuming that you keep them all year long. Is, is that right?
1: That's correct. Yes.
0: Okay. What do you do? Um, to maximize the off season, or even to um, to plan ahead for the seasonality of your business, how do you have that set up?
1: Well, we try. We do do some air conditioning. It's um, it's a whole nother customer base. Um, mm-hmm. It only it only really accounts for about five percent of our sales.
0: So oh, okay.
1: That that keeps us going a little bit. Um, but then what? During the summer months, what happens is the um, well, I'll call them public jobs go. The schools, uh, school projects. Oh, don't go. okay. We um, we get very aggressive in, in that nature. We have a couple guys that really, that's what they do all summer is tracking the certain jobs that are going down with schools, with uh, municipalities or, or whatnot. So um,
0: those are those are type work where you have to actually bid for it and that sort of thing or yeah. not
1: really. Yeah, okay. It's a public bid. Um and it's a it's an interesting part of the business but it's um it's large dollars but a very very small profits but it it um it keeps everybody busy.
0: Well, and I guess, too, you know, it's another thing that sometimes you take those jobs that like that, that would maybe have more high visibility, you know, to a certain market than another job over here in the back corner would, you know. So I I can completely understand how I know um, it's changed even dealing with governments and municipalities and that sort of thing since the recession how people purchase and do their bids and, and get funds allocated. It it's a completely different ballgame than it was before the recession, so
1: Yeah, it is. Um before it used to be the um we would deal with a contractor or, or a general contractor to um that oversaw the whole job, but now the municipalities want to buy the material directly. Mm-hmm. And um and which I, I don't have a problem with. That's fine by me. Um it,
0: mm-hmm. And but that's the way it's changed for us, I see, so it's kind of a, a little bit of navigating a different relationship with yes. those mm-hmm. entities Now we always love the opportunity for hindsight and, and even with you being in a seasonal business, sometimes your hindsight might be uh you know just having the opportunity in the off season to look back and do some future planning and that sort of thing for, based on what mm-hmm. you've just learned for a busy season. but do you have um any lessons or any overarching kind of things that you've learned in looking at hindsight over the last several years and, and things that you're learning about your business?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm learning that you really can't control how much you sell an item for, but you can control how much you buy the item for. Um, ah, You really make your money. Uh, and my dad drilled it into me, uh, but i didn't believe it until i was doing it on my own that you really you make your profits on your on your purchases
0: that is so it's so counterintuitive and i've heard people say even my dad does does that kind of thing he's a avid collector of like antiques and and that sort of thing and there are many times i've heard him say the same thing is that you don't make money when you sell something you actually make your money when you buy something so um it's interesting to see that in a in a business that would be as um I would think it would be as, as uh, basic as yours. Do you see a lot of fluctuations with your cost? Has that just gone through the roof like everything else has lately?
1: It has. Um, it, the costs have gone up and, and, and sales have gone up. Because, unfortunately, we, we pass it on to the contractor who passes it mm-hmm. on to the end user. Um, because the margins are so tight in our industry that, we can't really afford a 10%, 15% increase in the price of copper. Although copper right, is down yeah. Now,
0: is that one of the main drivers of what cost increases are, the the cost of copper and the metals and the things that they use? The metals
1: and um, oil, because uh, now most of the tubing now is PVC, which is...
0: Oh, oil, oil. petroleum-based.
1: It's petroleum-based, exactly. So, um, gotcha. So it, it has switched. When I first started, yes, copper was the driving factor of um, the
0: pricing. But now it's more oil. Wow, interesting. And I guess, you know, every every business is going to have their own, you know, market uh, pressures that are going to create uh, cost issues and that sort of thing. But you're right, when you have a low margins to deal with in the beginning, um, you, you really have to run probably a very efficient business to be able to be successful over 50 plus years, you know, for, for what you're doing. So it's definitely a testament to good planning with that. Now, we always like to talk to business owners about what holes in the market you might have seen, um, products or services that you would love to be able to get locally and you can't. And I know in your area, you've got, you know, right on the edges of New York City. So you've got just about anything there. But just from your observations as a business owner, what what advice would you give somebody if they were looking to branch out and kind of start something right now? What have you seen that's working, or what have you seen that they really should stay away from? Um. Uh, well, everything is
1: going towards the internet. Uh, mm. Some of my competitors have uh, gone to the internet. The bigger companies have, have, uh-huh. have much more, um, much more dominance on the internet. We we. We don't have a sales um, venue on the Internet, which is basically just mm-hmm. an information site. So uh, I'm, that's uh, part of my three- to five-year plan is to get more involved with uh, Internet. Okay. Um, internet orders. So I, I think there might be a, a little niche in, in our industry in regards to getting involved in the Internet. So this is uh, mm-hmm. certainly, uh, I won't say behind the times, but it, it is it's not on the cutting edge by any stretch uh-huh
0: well and it's I was going to say it's its hard whenever you have a business that is so um, you know the, the contractors and the people that are your customers are so out there they're you know they're dealing with mobile offices and, and you know not actually physically at a desk sitting down every single day so it's you know, your customer can kind of determine whether you end up online or offline, you know, That's based right. on what they prefer, you know. So I know it's a, a trend everyone's getting on board with, but you're always going to have certain customers that are going to rather talk to you in person, and they just want to call you and say, do you have this, and can you deliver it here, rather than looking at anything on the Internet. So That's true. That's the old true. dog, new tricks kind of thing, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes into play. So, Chris, what's next for your business right now?
1: Uh well, I'm taking that internet uh or that I'm gonna be updating our software uh, uh, upgrading our software to to try to make our our sales guys a little more efficient to be able to um okay track quotes better because everything is a repeat customer base, so it's a matter of keeping in contact with those customers and calling them up or visiting them uh, on their job site and say you know uh we quoted your boiler last week uh, what what does it look like, how do the prices look, or is that that job going to go? Mm -hmm. And our software currently doesn't really have that that mechanism built in, and this new software that I'm looking at, or upgrade to our current one, I should say, um, has a better tracking feature.
0: I see. And I think that'll
1: just increase our efficiency, that those extra one or two points to make us a little bit more profitable.
0: Yeah. now do you find that most of the things that you sell you have to you have to quote first before you even get to the point of selling it yes yeah okay, okay. Is so being able to convert those quotes to sales is key to getting getting more <laughs> getting more business and getting more right, right. higher revenues okay and having that metric
1: to, to to find oh. out how many quotes that we actually do turn to sales I, I we don't have that capability yet and that's what I want that's what I well, get
0: yeah to. and and I would think it, you know, even being able to slice that in, and find out, you know, okay, we seem to be closing all of our quotes on this particular type of product, but we can't seem to get our arms around this one. What's, you know, what's different about this than the other ones? I mean, I would think it would be valuable, valuable data that you could infer some things from if you could get your hands on that. Yes. As far as your day to day running of your business. What is your favorite tool? Is there a software or favorite tool that you have that just kind of keeps everything together for you?
1: The software that we use and then, of course, being the accounting nerd that I am, Excel. <laughs> oh, um,
0: yes. Okay. <laughs> I
1: put uh, everything into Excel. I download everything into it, and that way I can look at the numbers the way i like to and um, um, do some kind of forecasting or, or, and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I don't think, that. I think people that have a good functioning knowledge of Excel can never have too many spreadsheets. You know, it's one thing, you know, to not have enough data, but the only thing worse, you know, is for someone who really wants data to not have it in a spreadsheet. So I think so many businesses have been rising and falling on what you can put in that spreadsheet, so I don't think yours is any different with that. Now, as a parting thought and parting piece of wisdom that you could give to people that are starting out. Is there something that you know now, kind of years into your journey, that you would have, you wished you would have known when you started out that you could share that maybe someone can learn something from?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I find a lot of um, the plumbers and contractors that I see that are, are fantastic installers and, and whatnot really don't make good business people because they don't have the uh-huh. – the background and they don't want to spend the time to to learn the background the the, the numbers. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I see so many of these trades guys that start their own business but don't don't make it because they, they don't follow the numbers and not that you have to have an accounting degree, but you really need to know what your costs are and how much it costs okay. to do to do a job and to be able to make money you gotta cover those costs and then some. Mm-hmm. And and people don't know what their true costs are, and it, it, um, it's tough to make it if you don't know what your costs are.
0: That you know that's true, and I think it's it it happens with business people that that are like you say with tradespeople or even people that are, you know, they they have a craft or a skill that they've become really good at, and it would it's a shame that some of them can't put that into their own business and be successful at that because when you have that part of it down, you would think everything else would fall into place. But you're right. They need some help, and I guess if you don't have the strong suit of the numbers and the accounting and the, you know, the the other business pieces that you need to know, you need to know enough to at least to go out to find those people okay. to help you with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same thing you did with your business coach. You you know you know you didn't need a handle on your numbers. You needed a handle on some other resources and some broader thinking. So you went out and got it, and look at what it's done for your business. So. That's a lesson everyone can learn, I think. Now, yeah. is there anything with your business going on that we can um, help promote to um, to our listeners? You've been generous and given us a lot of information, and we'd like to return the favor. Um.
1: Well, we're on the web. It's uh, Wholesaler dot com, and okay. uh, has a basic background of the, of our business there. Um, you can take a look, and then give us a call if you. I can. Help anybody feeding questions. Um, It doesn't matter if we get a sale or not. If I can help somebody, I'm more than happy to do it.
0: Wonderful. Now, what I always do is I always put together show notes after I do these interviews, and so we will definitely link up to your website, and so people can get to that from there um, as well. And um, we also know that you've mentioned that you're going to be updating your website, so even if people listen to it in the future, go there because you might have more information or even some products and that sort of thing um, that you've uh, incorporated into your website. So we'll, we'll be looking for that. And um, any, any other parting thing we need to talk about before we go today? Uh,
1: no, I think you've, uh, you've done a great job with the interview.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. I know um, we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of um, great models of business-to-business type B2B type businesses out there, and many times they kind of function very hidden from the public view, simply because the end users aren't interacting with you and aren't recommending you. So it's a different type type of customer and a different type of business. So we appreciate you kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit and letting us peep inside and also be able to take those lessons and applying them to other businesses because you're you're doing some great things that it doesn't really matter what business you're in or what industry you're in, people can definitely learn from. So we appreciate you sharing and um, we're going to link up everything as far as your website on our show notes. So if people want to get in touch with you, just go to the show notes for this episode. This is going to be um, right on our website and they'll be able to find you there.
1: Great. Thank you very much.
0: Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, Other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also, you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.